Welcome to Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. Thank you for joining us as we listen to another message from Pastor Daniel Shirley. Well, I am excited today to get into the Word and share a word with you from, from my heart that I've been talking about for a few weeks now. And uh, for a couple of weeks, this will be our third week on this, on this subject. Praise God that we've been calling Righteous Brothers. Hallelujah. How many Righteous Brothers fans do we have? Praise God. All right, who can tell me their greatest hit? Unchained Melody. And uh, <laughs> praise God. I'm glad you said that one because there, yeah, there were some others, but I'm glad that, that you said that one because I'm actually going to talk about that this morning. Praise God. And you know, as um, as I was just meditating this week and just going over the things that uh, that I was going to be sharing with you, it was a thought that occurred to me that there is one thing, there's only one thing that Father God could not have without us. We think, well, Father, he's not dependent upon us. God's not dependent upon us for anything. He can have whatever he, you know, whatever he can have it because he's God. But here, here's one thing that, that Father God could not have without us. That is a family. Praise God. In other words, he wouldn't be a father if it wasn't for us. He's, he had to have us to be a family. And many times we have put our emphasis, we, we think God wants everything else. And, and, and all these other things that God wants from us, when what he really wants from you is a family. Praise God. The most important thing to him is you. You know, oh, he, he wants worship. He had worship before he ever created man. He was being worshiped before he ever created us. I mean, there, there is no material thing that God could, you know. I mean, we're, we're talking about a God that makes streets out of gold. We're talking about a God, if he wanted it, he would just create it. Well, he wanted a family. So what did he do? He created man in his own image and in his likeness. Praise God. He gave him dominion. Why did he give him dominion? So we'd be like him. That's, that's you know, he didn't create us to be robots. He didn't create us to, to just, you know, he, he wanted a relationship with us of our free will. Praise God. And so he made that possible. And even though man fell from that place, yet um, God had a plan for that. And he restored us back to fellowship with him. 
so that he could have a relationship with us so he could have a family. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so in, in uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse number 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know him because it did not know him. Praise God. Let's lift one hand and say this together. Say, Father, I thank you for your word. Your word is spirit and life to me. I believe with all my heart that your word sown in good ground, produces good fruit. Father, I am good ground for your word. I'm a doer of the word, not a hearer only, and I am blessed in my deeds. And I rejoice today, Father, because you sent the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to me. So I call on you today, Holy Spirit, to do that work in my life. I'll receive truth, act upon it, be changed by it, and I'll never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, every week we say that I'll, I'll receive truth, I'll act upon it, and I'll be changed by it. You see, here, here's the, the, as I said that this morning, this thought just came to me. Act upon it. What does that mean? It means I'm going to act like it's true. Praise God. I'm just going to act like that's the way it is. Hallelujah. If, if God says that, that I am righteous, then I'm going to act like I'm righteous. Praise God. If God says my body is healed, I'm going to act like my body is healed. Hallelujah. If God said I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, well, I'll just take him at his word and I'll just act like I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Praise God. If we, just, we just believe it and we act like it's true. Hallelujah. Because it is. Hallelujah. Well, who, are, who is familiar with the term flip side? Who's familiar with the term flip side? Now, there's, some, there's several people here that I know you're old enough you know what flip side means. Praise God. And so, you know, who knows where that term originated and what it means? You know, who, who's ever heard that term? If, if you've heard that term, raise your hand. Okay. About half of you have heard it. Okay. Who knows what a 45 album is? 45 record album. And a jukebox. Okay. How many know that the that the the righteous brothers were in the jukeboxes on forty fives? Well, the the forty five vinyl disc um, it, it was it was designed to play in the jukeboxes, and uh, when you put a coin in and you press the certain buttons, then it would drop down, and you could watch it. It would bring down this this vinyl disc, and then it would play the song on that. Well, it, because it's, it's a disc, it's got two sides to it. It's not like a, not like a CD that, uh, you know, if you put a CD in backwards, you get nothing. But uh, if you put in a vinyl disc, there's a song on one side, and there's a song on the other side. 
And these albums, these, these 45 discs, it sounds funny to be given an explanation like this, but, uh, but anyway, these 45 discs, these would be sent to radio stations, and they would have a single song recorded on this disc. And the, the disc jockeys at the radio station would play that single well, on the back side of it, there's room for another song. So you put another song on it, and that's called the flip side. Your A side is, is the hit song. This is recorded. This is supposed to be the hit. And then on the other side, now occasionally, the flip side would turn out to be a bigger hit than the other side. But, uh, but for the most part, the A side was the, was the hit, and the... B side or the flip side was uh, it, it was just a bonus. It was it was an, uh, another song and and uh, B side was good, but the the really good song was was on the A side. And so to, today, you know, we're we're going to talk about the flip side. You see, we've done this in in. Uh, in Christianity, for way too long, we've been listening to, to the flip side. We've been listening to the B side, and the B side was good. You know, how, how many know that, that the law was good? Paul said the law is good, and, and there was some benefit, there was some blessing associated with the law, but... There was a new and better covenant that was coming. And it's on, if you'll turn it over and play the A side, then you'll hear what God really wanted you to hear. Praise God. Praise God. L listen to this. Here's what we have done in Christianity. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Those are Jesus' words in his Sermon on the Mount. And he's preaching there. He's blessed of the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we have focused on being poor in spirit. And we have thought that the blessing was in being poor in spirit. But that's not what Jesus was saying. If we'd listen to the A side, we would find out that the blessing was that yours is the kingdom of heaven. He says, if you are poor in spirit, I've got good news for you. You are blessed because yours is the kingdom of heaven. It's, you know, it's not a blessing to be poor in spirit. The blessing comes to those who are poor in spirit. And the blessing is you don't have to be poor in spirit anymore. And that's what Jesus was getting across to us. You know, uh, if Jesus is saying, notice this, if Jesus is saying that I can uh, that it's blessed to be poor in spirit, then essentially what he is saying is, I came to take away your blessing. I mean, think about that for a minute. If Jesus came so you wouldn't be poor in spirit anymore, if he's going to 
If he came to give you the kingdom, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. If he came to give you the kingdom, then you wouldn't be poor in spirit anymore, right? So, if we focus on the being poor in spirit part, then essentially what Jesus would be saying then is, I came to take away your blessing. I'm going to give you the kingdom and take away your blessing. No, the blessing is in the kingdom, the giving the kingdom. Praise God. Praise God. Um, Matthew chapter 5, verse number 6. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Once again, the flip side, you know, we, we've been listening to this flip side all this time, and we thought that there was a blessing in hungering and thirsting. Anybody ever been hungry? I mean, I'm talking real, real hungry, and you didn't have anything to eat. Anybody ever been real hungry like that? You know? Anybody ever been so thirsty you thought you couldn't, you couldn't go on? Let me tell you, that's not a blessing. It's not a blessing to be hungry and thirsty. This is why you see people that will dig in dumpsters and get food out of a dumpster and eat it. Because it is not, it, it's better to eat out of a dumpster than to eat nothing. It is not a blessing to be hungry and thirsty. Jesus came to tell us what the blessing is. He said, I'm telling you, the blessing is, if you're hungry and thirsty, I've come to tell you there's a blessing for you. You will be filled. Hallelujah. Because of what he was doing, he was saying, because I have come, now the hungry and the thirsty can be blessed. Now the poor in spirit can have the kingdom opened up to them. Praise God. Praise God. Now, to bless to those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. See, Jesus' greatest hit was the filling. But we keep listening to the flip side, the hungering and the thirsting part. And, and this is what religion does to us. This is what religion does to us. Religion keeps playing the B side. But there's a flip side that's a better. Hallelujah. There's a flip side that's better. Or the A side's better. There's a, I said that wrong. The A side is better. The flip side is what we keep listening to, but the A side is better. Hebrews chapter 8, verse number 6, it says, But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry, inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant established on better promises. You see, we are under a better covenant why do we keep trying to live under the flip side covenant? The flip side covenant says if you keep all the commandments. The flip side covenant says if you meet up, if you live up to a certain standard, you will be blessed. 
If you diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and do all these things that I've commanded you this day, then the Lord your God will set you on high and above all the nations of the earth. And, you know, we read that in Deuteronomy chapter 28. But there was always a if you obey, if you keep all the commandments, if you do this, if you do that, then I will do this. Jesus came, and on the A side, it says Jesus came and fulfilled that requirement for you. Hallelujah. He fulfilled it for you. So the blessed side of this, the blessed side is you are blessed in Christ. Not because you keep the commandments, not because you followed all the rules, not because you measured up to a certain standard, but you are blessed in Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, in Luke chapter 4, you know, you mentioned the, the, the righteous brother's greatest hit, Unchained metal, Melody. I keep trying to say medley. Mel, melody. Unchained Melody. Well, here's Jesus' unchained melody. Listen to this. Luke chapter 4, verse number 18. This is on the A side of the disc, by the way. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Gospel, we've talked about, is good news. If it's not good news, it doesn't qualify to be called gospel. So he says that he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Now, if you're poor, what is good news? You don't have to be poor no more. Hallelujah. That's good news to the poor. Jesus said, he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Praise God. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance, notice this, to preach deliverance to the captives. Now, doesn't that sound like unchained? Hallelujah. This is why I said, this is Jesus' unchained melody. Praise God. He says, he has anointed me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind. He has set, uh, he, to, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Praise God. So he has come to set captives free and to break chains of bondage in people's life, to unchain you, praise God, and let you go free. See, Jesus, he came up until, up until the cross, the song was, keep the commandments, 
obey, you know. And, and um, you know, there's an old song that we used to sing when I was growing up, the trust and obey, there's no other way. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. You know, just trust me, just obey me, you know. But Jesus came and he said, I have come to set at liberty the captives. Now, here's what religion doesn't realize. Religion doesn't realize that the law is actually bondage. The law is actually bondage. You say, well, how can you say that? Didn't God give us the law? Sure, he gave the law through Moses, and you know Moses delivered the law to the people. But here's what the Scripture says about the law. The Apostle Paul, writing to the Galatian church, he says, Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has unchained you. Praise God. He has unchained you. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. He's saying, you've been unchained. Now don't go back to your chains again. Praise God. Too many people go back to their chains. You see, they have found freedom in Christ, and they are so excited that they're free in Christ, and then they run right back to the very chains that held them in bondage to start with. And they think that now what Christ has done, see, this is in their mind, they are thinking what Christ has done is now Christ has saved me, so now I should be able to do a better job of keeping the law. Literally, he came to unchain us. Don't put the chains back on. Praise God. Don't put the chains back on. Now, he has, when we start talking like this, people always think, oh, well, you know, he's, he's just saying that, you know, sin's okay. No, 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 no. You see, when you're unchained, you have the power You have the power to live above sin. Praise God. Praise God. Get get this. He has anointed me to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. The Apostle Paul said this in, in Romans chapter 7, verse number 24. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? We think that Paul is struggling. No, Paul's not struggling. In fact, he's going to show you here that he's not struggling. Praise God. He says, I thank God. He answers his own question right there. Verse 24, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He's answering his own question. He's saying, God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, has unchained me. Hallelujah. I was held in bondage 
all my life. But now, Christ, God the Father, through Jesus Christ our Lord, has unchained me. And he, Jesus said, I came to preach deliverance to the captive. I came to sing an unchained melody to you. Praise God that you're not in chains of bondage any longer. Now stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. Praise God. Stand fast. Stand sure. Fast there doesn't mean, doesn't have anything to do with speed. Okay? Fast there has to do with being established. Praise God. Stand therefore established in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. And do not put the chains back on. Hallelujah. Paul is cautioning us about that. Do not put the chains back on. He says, who will deliver me from this body of death? He says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with my mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. See, Jesus, Jesus and his righteous brothers, we've got a greatest hit. And our greatest hit is you are unchained. It is unchained melody. Praise God. Praise God. I am free based on a higher law. Hallelujah. You see, the Apostle Paul said this. He said, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. You realize there is a superseding law. There is a law of gravity, but there is a law of thrust and lift that overcomes the law of gravity. What makes an airplane fly? There is a greater law. Well, does the law of gravity, is it, has it been done away with? No, it's been superseded. Praise God. It's been superseded by a greater law. I am free according to a greater law. Praise God. Praise God. Galatians chapter 5, verse number 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made you free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. Now, you need to hear what he's saying here, and we're going to talk about this. If you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. So in other words, if you put the chains back on, even though you have been made free in Christ and you put the chains back on, Christ didn't profit you anything. Hallelujah. He says, Christ will, uh, he says, I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. In other words, if you are going to keep one point of the law, now I'm not talking about just that you keep the law. 
I'm talking about that, that this becomes your means, your avenue to relationship with God. This becomes your avenue to, to right standing with God. It becomes your avenue to righteousness. If the law, if any point in the law is your avenue to righteousness, then you become responsible then to keep the whole thing. This is why it's bondage. This is why it's bondage. All right, let me, let, let, let's, let's just talk for a minute. Let's, let's get real and, and, and get right down to where we are this morning so that we understand what he's saying here. Now, don't raise your hand. Don't need to raise your hand. But how many of you, you just answer this to yourself, but how many of you have a habit that in your life that you've been trying to overcome? You know, maybe, maybe it's a bad temper. Maybe... Maybe it's smoking cigarettes. Maybe it's alcohol or drugs or, or you know, uh, pornography or, you know, we could talk about a lot of different habits and, and uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm quite sure that I've already hit several people in this room this morning. But here, here's the point. You know, my, my point is not to, to condemn anybody for that. You need to listen to the rest of what i got to say and don't get all caught up in what I just said. Okay? You need to hear the rest of it. If, let, let's just say smoking cigarettes, for instance. If you believe that you will have a better relationship with God if you stop smoking, then you have just put yourself under a law. And if you have put yourself under one law, then you become responsible for keeping the whole law. Now, should you quit smoking? Yes, you should. It's bad for you. So, so go ahead and quit. But it's not going to improve your relationship with God. It is not your avenue to righteousness. Your avenue to righteousness is Christ and Christ alone. And if you can get control of your bad temper, are you going to have, are you going to be more righteous is that your avenue to righteousness? If it is, now, you ought to get control of your bad temper. People will like you more. But if that's your avenue to righteousness, if you believe if I get control of my bad temper, then God will have, he'll be favorable towards me. All right? 
let's just say this. Maybe you've got an illness, a sickness in your body that you want to receive healing for. But you believe that your habit is keeping you from receiving your healing. I'm, I'm just getting real practical right now, okay? Because I want you to get this. I want you to get this. I, I know there are people that they even shy away from any endeavor to receive healing because they think that this habit I have is keeping me from receiving my healing. So if, well, why is God, in fact, I've heard preachers preach this. I've heard it out of my own mouth years ago. I don't preach this anymore, but there was a time when I preached this. Why would God heal, uh, why would God um, heal you of emphysema so you could continue to smoke? See, I used to preach like that. But here's the thing, you know, if stopping smoking is going to cause me to have more favor with God, I'm putting myself under law, and if I do that, then I become responsible for the whole law. I'm going to receive healing for my body, not because... I perform to a certain level. I'm going to receive healing for my body because Jesus loved me enough to take my sickness and my disease and my pain upon himself. That's why I can receive healing. Not because I perform. Not because I meet a certain standard. Should I quit smoking? Yes, if I'm smoking, I should quit. You know, bad for me. If I got a bad temper, I should curb my temper because, you know, my relationship with people around me is going to be better. You know, if, if I'm addicted to pornography, I should quit because my wife would appreciate it. You know, I mean, but it's, it, it's not putting myself under a law that I meet this certain standard and therefore I have the favor of God upon me. And many people, they're not receiving from God because they have been convinced that their habit, their sin, is keeping them from receiving anything from God. But, here's the thing. If I've been smoking... And I receive my healing just because Jesus loves me. What does that do on the inside of me? That begins to change my heart on the inside. What about the woman that was caught in the act of adultery that was brought to Jesus and they said, the law says she should be stoned. What do you say? Jesus looked at the woman after all the accusers had gone away. Jesus looked at the woman and he said, neither do I condemn you. 
go and sin no more. Now, the fact that Jesus gave her a, he, 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 he took the chains off, the chains of condemnation. He took the chains of condemnation and broke them in her life. Now she could go free. If he had said it the other way around, if he had said, if you go and you don't sin anymore, then you won't be condemned. That's not what he said. He wasn't saying that it was okay for her to commit adultery. He wasn't saying that. But he said, I'm not condemning you, so now I'm empowering you to not commit adultery. You see, when the chains are off, then we're empowered. Jesus says, neither do I condemn you for whatever it is that you're doing. Neither do I condemn you. Here's your healing. Here's your deliverance. Here's your freedom from the chains. Here's your freedom from the bondage. Now that you're free, now don't go get entangled with those chains again. Praise God. You're free. You're free. He's singing an unchained melody to you. Praise God. Praise God. Now here's what he says in Galatians chapter 5. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. And he says this, you have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by law. Notice this. You who attempt to be justified by law. You who attempt to be justified by law. Notice he didn't say you who are justified by law. No, he said you who attempt to be justified by law. You can never be justified by law. Because you cannot perfectly fulfill the law. You can't keep the whole thing perfectly. That's why we needed Jesus. Because we couldn't. Praise God. You who attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. Now, Here's what we have preached, that falling from grace means that you have sinned. No, 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 no. That's not what falling from grace is. He just told us what falling from grace is. Falling from grace is that you attempt to be justified by law. So let me just, how do you know if you are under law or under grace? How do you know? Here's a little test for you. Where you can discover if you are... Now, there are people that they're walking under grace and then 
for whatever reason, they end up going back under law again. So here, here's something to watch for. The moment that you think you can do something better to make you more acceptable to God. The moment you think that way, you're heading back under law. I want you to stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. I'm not telling you go and keep on sinning. That's not what I'm saying. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, now you're free, go and sin no more. Praise God. Now you have the power to go and sin no more. But the moment I think that I can be better to make myself more acceptable to God, I am headed under law again. I'm trying to put the chains back on again. Praise God. The moment you attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by how? Faith. By faith. By faith in what? Faith in what Christ has done. Faith in what Christ has done. Not faith in my own righteousness. No, that's, that's what we just talked about. That's, that's going back under law. Not, not faith in my own good deeds or my ability to do good deeds. That's going back under law. The hope of righteousness is faith in Christ. Praise God. But the moment I think that I can become more pleasing to God... By my works of righteousness, by my good deeds, by doing a better job, by being a better person, by, by doing more for the church, by giving more to the church, by, you know, all of these things. The moment I begin to think that I can do more and become more acceptable to God, I have fallen from grace. For here's what Paul said to the Romans, Romans chapter 10, verse number 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness for everyone who believes. Praise God. You see, there is nothing you can do to make yourself more righteous. There is nothing you can do to make yourself more acceptable to God. In fact, the more you try to do to make yourself more acceptable to God, the more you fall from grace. Romans chapter 8, verse number 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. There is therefore now 
no condemnation. All right? I'm telling you the same thing Jesus told the woman that was caught in the act of adultery. There is, therefore, now, right now, this moment, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Are you in him? If you're not, you can get in him real easy. Praise God. That's real easy. There is, therefore, now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And no condemnation empowers you to go and sin no more. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, it's one thing to tell people they shouldn't sin. But you see, that's really not the main thing that God wanted. God wanted a family. God wanted a family. He wanted a father-son relationship with you. He wanted a relationship with you and your righteous brother. Praise God. Praise God. Well, instead of relationship, we have focused on the doing better and the behaving right instead of focusing on God wants relationship with you. Praise God. I had a pastor friend one time. I told him, I said, I said, the church's number one job is not to get everybody to quit sinning. He disagreed with me pretty strongly. But you know, I, I said the, the church's number one job is to help people come into a right relationship with God, a father-son relationship with God. Praise God. That's what it is. If you're here today and you have never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you, you can't say, I am in Christ. Well, let me say this. If you are not in Christ, you are already condemned. Because you have not believed. That's what John wrote. He said, you're condemned already because you have not believed on him. But if you are in him, there is therefore now no condemnation. Praise God. Well, how do you get in him? It's very simple. You believe what he did. You believe that Jesus, the Son of God, came to this earth, God in the flesh. He bore your sins in his own body on the tree, cross. Paid for them in full and then rose from the dead. If you believe that, you choose to put your trust in him for your salvation instead of putting your trust in your ability to do better. You put your trust in Him for your salvation. Now, if you'll do that today, you will be in Him, and there will be no condemnation. Praise God. The Bible says it this way. You confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus believe that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
If you're watching online or if you're sitting in this room, I'd like you to just repeat this with me today. If you pray this and you mean this, if you, if you really believe it, God word, God's word says you will be saved. So let's just say this together. That God in heaven, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus, that he bore my sin in his body so that I being dead to sin might live under righteousness. And I thank you today that he paid the price in full for all of my sin. I put my trust in that today. And I received Jesus as my Savior. And I received the gift of no condemnation so that I can go and sin no more. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into my life. Thank you for bearing my sin. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you would like more information about Word of Life Church, please visit us on the web at wolcarlsbad.com. Thank you and have a great week.